Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We got a very special guest today, Todd Erlich. Uh, We—I don't think you've ever been on any of our shows before, which is kind of weird. But here we are. Yeah, no, I haven't. It's great. Uh, great to be here. Thank you. And you're in Buckhead. Um, just north, you're close to the Braves Stadium, which I'm jealous of because I'm a huge Braves fan. We actually, almost everybody in this office is. Um, I love it up there. It used to be nice. Um, to, I'm not entirely sure why they moved the stadium up there. I mean, I get I get some of the points, but um, it was nice to be able to stay downtown and then walk over to the stadium. But I guess you know, it's driving is better than getting shot or stabbed. So. I, th- I think the decision was based on, um, you know, where their 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 thickest fan base was, mm-hmm. and it was Northwest Atlanta. That whole you know portion of of the community was was uh, there's it's a big baseball community, mm-hmm. so I think they just got a lot more uh, foot traffic. It was a huge success. Um, probably, I mean, I don't know much about real estate, but it that place is. Uh, just crushing it where you know when you walked out of the old brave stadium it was a ghost town after a game uh, where this is like a whole thriving area now so that's that's the new thing yeah cities are kind of building metroplexes around professional sports stadiums now to keep people there longer and get more revenue and such i mean it's a good plan so you're a former navy seal uh well let, let's skip this let's you just tell me your uh, background give me your biography right quick yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, dropped out of college to become a Navy SEAL. Um, like a lot of guys uh, got, <laughs> that for whatever reason to uh, get in, uh, you kind of realize military isn't quite your thing. Um, so I, I decided to get out very early in my career. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, people always talk about not having a regret, but that was like a huge Huge regret. I did not want to get out, but it was the right choice for me. So, so anyway, I got out. Ended up uh, moving back home to Connecticut slash New York area. Um, got uh, ended up um, working for a, a bunch of different really great businesses. Ended up having a, a mentor in business for about seven years, uh, who's a very successful multi-time founder slash billionaire. Uh, he took me under his wing, taught me a lot, and. Uh, and got a got a ceo job down in here down here in atlanta uh and so by the way i was in the seals in the 90s so uh like i'm 50 right so Mm. it's it's been a minute um so around that time about when i got down here you know the global war on terror was in full effect i was running a small software slash services company and um decided i needed to do something to give back and i didn't really have my own personal capital so I came up with this concept of creating a, uh, a sustainable giving platform mm-hmm. that that became Kill Cliff. Um, so we've now given over a million dollars to Navy SEAL Foundation. And then I, I, I uh, founded or, uh, or or ran a few other companies over over the years uh, and I've sold two of them. Um, and uh, now I run a venture studio in Atlanta called uh, Rule One Ventures. Mm. We're, built, we, we're really focused on building profitable ventures uh, as opposed to kind of more venture uh you know like hey we're gonna lose money and grow at any cost type ventures so right uh and what's the 
I guess from a strategic standpoint or when you're evaluating somebody's uh, business before you invest, what, what are the differences you see there? Like what, what's the difference between something that seems like it's going to bleed money for a while and something that's going to, what are the key KPIs, I guess, that you look for? Yeah. So we're usually looking at uh, like, is the business plan realistic? You know, you'd, you'd be, or is there a business? You know, we, we look at ideas and, um, ideas to product. We usually try to stay away from things that are fully going concerns, but um, we're, we're here to help founders build companies into real companies. Mm -hmm. So the main aperture that we're trying to fit a, a decision through is can this business become profitable based on its unit economics and the market that exists and in, you know, 12 to 24 months. And so that's usually a yes or no question. It's not a, it doesn't have to make it, but the question is, can it make it? And if it can make it, then we'll take a deeper look at that. Um, we don't want to run businesses for over 24 months that don't make money. Mm -hmm. um, now, some of them are just not going to get there in that period of time. Some will get there faster. So uh, that's, you know, that's the main aperture. Then it's kind of like, do like we, we do a lot of psychological testing on the founders. And so we're like, is the founder somebody who's going to be able to you know, take some direction and, you know, want to work as part of a team in order to build this company because uh, we consider ourselves co-founders in these businesses. Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then we just pass, sure. right? Like, you know, we need, we need people we can work with. Um, we kind of have, you know, Killcliff, we, we had a no asshole policy mm -hmm. for a long time. Um, and until we, until we took some investor money and they, they kind of changed that. Uh, but, you know, we kind of reinstated that here. And, and so we won't even invest in somebody that we even get a, a whiff of, of uh, they might be an asshole. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's probably a good policy. I like it. You know, it makes work a lot more fun. <laughs> um, yeah, certainly. So tell me about, um, you, you kind of touched on it for a moment there, but tell me about the formation of Killcliff in the beginning. Yeah. So it's a really interesting story. I, I, um, I wanted to make a beverage. Uh, one, one was for personal need, right? And the personal need was, hey, I want something that's like got, you know, quote unquote, recovery effects I'm looking for. Um, but it doesn't like have the sugar that uh, or the caffeine, the sugar that a Gatorade has or the caffeine that a Red Bull has. And, uh, and I kind of thought about it, like, what would a seal want? Um, and so a seal would want like something that's, maybe a little analgesic, meaning it, it reduces inflammation mm -hmm. and uh, with a little kick of caffeine, but not enough to make you jittery or uh, jumping or anything like that. So that was the concept of the original recovery formula. Um, I made it. Uh, it was a really, it's funny. Like I, when I started, I, I, e I probably emailed like 50 people trying to get like flavors made and everything and, and not one person responded. Mm. Um, I made a bunch of phone calls who nobody, nobody called me back. Nobody responded. And that was kind of like, you know, you know, it was probably a uh, forewarning of how difficult that industry was going to be. But ultimately I found a guy by reading one of the trade magazines, um, who had built a soda business, a kid's soda business here in Atlanta. I took him to lunch. I picked his brain. He gave me a bunch of information on how he did things. And I used all those resources and, I still use those resources today. So uh, it worked out well. And what about, um, so you said one of the reasons you started the company in the first place was to generate revenue for uh, donation purposes, I guess. Um, yep. 
how when you approached um well let me ask you this first did you get capital from somewhere in the beginning or did you self-fund everything and and when once you started getting capital what did that look like uh with the uh i i guess with the if you're trying to take a business to profitability in two years you know centering it around the the donation part isn't necessarily that attractive to some vc firms especially they don't they're, they're yeah, not huge yeah. fans of that stuff i mean they like the press when it when they can get it but as far as the commitment goes it's mostly about the ones and zeros right yeah for sure yeah i so i i came up with a business plan i actually wrote this really long business plan it was you know 50 pages. I, I don't do that anymore. It's a total waste of time mm. and energy. Um, but wrote this whole business plan on the market, got to know it a little bit. Um, and I first started working on it, it was like 2007, 2008. And I had three investors lined up. I put about $100,000 of my own money into building the business and getting a product and all that stuff. And, um, and they all like during the downturn in 2008, they all backed away. So I kind of put everything on the shelf for a while. And in late 2009, early 2010, I kind of just decided I was running that other business that I was a CEO of, but I was like every single person I talked to until I raised $150,000, I'm going to ask them to invest in this company. Mm -hmm. And so literally I asked everybody um, and it was quite embarrassing. Um, but I kind of made this little commitment. I'm just going to ask everybody. Like I, I would be asking you right now. Mm -hmm. right? I'd be like, "Hey, give me 150,000." You'd be like, "No," and I'd be like, "Okay, cool. On to the next guy." And so I did that. And finally, a guy goes, "Yeah, okay, cool." Whips out a checkbook, gives me 150,000 bucks, and I was off to the races. Um, I, I needed that money to fund production. I had put all the money into kind of R and D of building the product. Mm -hmm. So I, I, he invested. I did a production run, which was super dumb. I had no way to sell it or anything. So I literally had 8,000 cases sitting in a, in a warehouse. And one of my friends came over and um, you, if you've ever met any of the kill clip guys, there's a guy there named GW. Yeah, I know who, GW. Yeah. 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 So he comes over to my house. Our wives were my wife and his ex-girlfriend were close friends. We're just hanging out. And he's like, whatever happened to that kill cliff idea you had. And I was like, I've got a warehouse, <laughs> 8,000 cases of this stuff. And he's like, well, let me help you sell it. And I was like, okay, cool. So we kind of just went to work selling it and um, it started working. And then, and then, uh, then we ran into Baker. Mm -hmm. He found Baker, uh, Baker Levitt, if yeah. you know him and uh, Baker. Yeah. That's how we, that's how we met. And um, Baker Levitt, uh, I met him at a CrossFit gym and he was like, I can sell a lot of this product. And I was like, please, please do. And so he opened up a few hundred CrossFit gyms and we were off to the races. The investors that I had like in the early days were like kind of like friends and family. Um, and then not till a little bit later did we talk to any actual institutional investors. It was a couple of years. Um, and, and it was it was like the first set of those guys, like we were really close to like not making payroll. Like we needed mm. 200,000 and these guys offered us $2 million. And so we're like, Oh, okay, great. Let's take it. And then, and they were like more friendly. And then some like real institutional guys came in and they were really, 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 really difficult. Um, well, they were very nice before they invested, but then they invested 
several million more. And then we became kind of a venture backed business. And uh, I will never do that again. This episode of Citizens brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, rounds, and delivery schedule anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. The best value you're going to get from Black Rifle Coffee is the coffee club. As again, you can choose the roast, whether you're like light, dark, or medium. You can choose the texture. You can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee, whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean, or if you use a Keurig and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wider uh, array of options for that. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. So go to blackriflecoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, use the code CITIZEN, and get 20% off your first order. This episode of Citizen is also brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. If you get the uh, 40% off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months, that's five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for slash drinker bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best, the mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there, 30% off everything, Use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash citizenpodcast. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off ordering uh, with your interactive monitoring. So uh, did you know that property crimes like burglaries and package theft spike over the wintertime? It's a fact. That's why now is the best time to secure your home with award-winning home security. Simply Safe is the home security system I recommend to everyone. We use it here at the office. Uh, make it your resolution to start the new year with greater peace of mind and safety for you and your family. Uh, and here's why I love it. It's super easy to set up. It is, it, it'll take you maybe half an hour to set the whole system up, which by the way is quick uh, compared to other systems. Uh, Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report for the third year in a row. In an emergency, 24/7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect uh, technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real, so you can get priority police response. Or if it's a false positive, they can make sure that you know you can get some peace of mind about that. Uh, Simply Safe is a whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, every window, every door. HD security cameras for inside and out. Smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when the threat is actually real and it's not just, you know, a, a, an umbrella outside flapping in the wind. And even hazard sensors to, that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. <clears throat> Look, it's cheap. 24-7 professional monitoring services uh, cost about uh, a little bit under a dollar a day, less than half the price of ADT. So with a top-rated Simply Safe app, you can also stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm, 
unlock for a guest, access your cameras, adjust uh, system settings. And, you know, one of the ancillary benefits of this is that you tell your insurance, your home insurance company, especially if you're a homeowner, but even as a renter, that you have this kind of system and now your rates go down, right? So not only are you saving money on the service itself, but the service itself is saving you money in other ways. So customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash citizen podcast. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off your order uh, with interactive monitoring. That's simplysafe.com slash citizen podcast. S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E.com slash citizen podcast. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Why not? Just out of curiosity. I mean, I, I know the reason I wouldn't, but just from your perspective. Well, at the time, you know, it we were growing really fast. We had, you know, internally inside the business, we had a great team. Everybody was having a good time. Um, we were making mistakes, but they were small mistakes. Um, these guys came in, they're like, hey, you need to you need to do these 10 things. We've seen this movie. Literally, they said this. We've seen this movie 14 times. You've got to, you've got to do these things and in, in order to be successful. And we're like, we don't think that's what success looks like or that's the path to get there. And once I kind of said I didn't want to do what they wanted me to do, then it got into and, – and by the way, let me back up. This original set of investors was a, a group who – um, they traditionally had control of all their investments. Mm -hmm. We were a non-control investment. And so what I learned was a non-control investor who normally is a control investor is going to work very hard to get control. Sure, yeah. And so there was that friction going on. And then there was the friction of, I didn't want to do what I was told to do to grow the business, but I was growing the business just fine on my own. Mm -hmm. Um and then, you know, it was like, hey, in order to you know, look like a real, you know, business, you got to hire this person, this person, this person. And, and so you end up hiring a lot of people that aren't adding a ton of value, right? So the, the true value in that business was coming from the core team. Yeah. And um, yeah, so, I feel like a lot of those hires are just resumes and Rolodexes that you're bringing on board. But that's kind of an old way of thinking about growing a business, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, listen, it's a... Um, it's a non-operator's way of growing a business, right? Now you have to, like when the team just isn't ready for that yet, um, and, and, and one of the main components of all these types of investments that people get really wrong, and, and this was where I was incredibly naive at the time, was I think we were the ninth investment in their, um, in their second fund, right? So normally a, a, a group like that's gonna have maybe 10 or 15 investments or something like that. And they have an investment period of five years when they have to make all those investments by. So they, they were at the end of the five years. Mm -hmm. So that means they had five years to get out of the position. So they're going to put the pedal to the metal. There's all this time torsion that comes into play. And as that, that pressure builds up, all the pressure goes on the founder and the business to grow as fast as possible. Part of that is so the, the VC can put money to work so they can make fees on it. Mm -hmm. Part of it is so they can ridiculously accelerate your need for capital so they get more and more of the business, right? So so basically, that was naive of me. It was a mistake. We shouldn't have taken that money. In fact, uh, the two months before we took the money, we were profitable. And had we just stayed on the path we were on, it'd be a different story. Now, with that being said, I did um, 
purchased the majority of the business back a few weeks ago. So it's a good story. Mm. It, at the, the end of the story, you know, seven years later, I'm just hanging around the hoop the whole time. And finally, somebody passes me the ball. and I got Sure, it. yeah. Uh, do you feel like that um, acceleration process? Because, look, they're trying uh, – a company like that isn't necessarily terribly concerned with net revenue and stuff. They're just trying to create top-level revenue and EBITDA so they can, you know, swing a multiplier and, and get their money and get the fuck out, right? Or, as you right. said before – in the early stages, they're trying to gobble up more of the business so they can, uh, uh, I guess, exert more control. Do you feel like that acceleration process kind of dim- diminishes your value proposition or your brand positioning or any of that stuff? It's like you're, you're going to compromise on certain things. Like, well, you got to do X, Y, and Z to get into this store. Like, well, we don't want to do that, but you have to do that because that's the fucking plan or whatever. I've, I've run into stuff like that before, you know, and it's, you know, look, it's good to have competing interests, I think, sometimes because – it's a meritocracy, and if you're, everybody on board is honest and aimed in the right direction, then you you're eventually you're going to get the, to the right place. You know what I mean? I think that's an important thing to do. But if it's if you're heading in opposite directions, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, let me let me kind of say a couple things on that. One, you know, when when you got a guy like me who's a former team guy, uh, team guys are you know it's a self selection process, mm-hmm. right? Like you become a seal because. You want to serve your country in a special way and you're willing to do anything that it takes in order to accomplish the mission. And, and you are with a bunch of very like-minded people who you trust deeply and you have values that have almost complete alignment and the, the process of going through a buds or whatever, you know, those, those other guys go through Q course or whatever, it's to knock out the guys who have values or, that are not in alignment, right? In the real world, there's a lot of people that don't share your values, sure. right? And I have a very specific, you know, kind of set of values and that wasn't aligned with my investors. And, um, and, and you know, just like integrity and honesty, right? Like I would never like sit here and lie to somebody's face about something and then go, and like tell a different story to the other guys or, you know what I mean? The other investors, like people do that. Like that actually happens in real life. And, and like, I assume I'm dealing with a, somebody who shares my values, but mm. I was wrong. Yeah. Totally I mean, that's, wrong. that's, uh, that's something we ran into at black rifle a lot too. You know, it's cause the company, uh, because Evan and, uh, Edwin were such coffee nerds, the product was always really high quality just because that's what they wanted. So we, we didn't necessarily have to worry about that. Although it is, when I say we don't have to worry about it, it's, it's something ongoing that we are, we're always paying attention to, but it's not something that we fucking have to have meetings about. The, the presumption is that the highest quality product is going to hit the shelf. Um, right. but you know, when you start to talk to even, even when you go from a smaller vendor to a larger vendor, Right that it's like you got to meet with these people and figure out if they're fucked or not. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of yeah. shitheads in business these days. And that was a pain in the ass, man. I mean, it really was just sorting through all the people who, uh, as you animated, it's, it's not just team guys or military people versus everybody else. There's plenty of good people out there, but there's a lot of people right. who are fucking snakes. Right. Yeah. And they, and they prey on these types of, uh, opportunities, right? There's other things too, you know, when you when you've got some guys who've had success following a playbook, um, sometimes you run into things where like the playing field is always changing. Like if you took 
two football teams and they ran the same fucking oh, yeah. play over and over again, they would lose, yeah. right? And and like and so I especially I guess now the, in the in the direct to consumer and digital media age, things change every like four to eighteen months. It, four, every four, three to four months, it changes enough that you have to to pivot. And every eighteen months, it changes completely, right? It's not it, like things are just not the way they used to be. Yeah, and these you know these guys are you know can be you know a little bit. Um, this this first set of investors, not mm. not other guys, but like first investors, they were just like very old school and they had a very old school way of going about things. And, and the point is, you know, we started out as a direct to consumer brand. I thought direct to consumer was the way to go. And we got dragged into this retail business that I'm frankly not a big fan of. It's, it's a dying industry retail, you know, like people don't like even buying water at the store anymore, let alone a, a, a case of kill clip. So, so, you know, I was kind of always excited about just direct to consumer and they were excited about this retail thing. Cause that's how they thought they got the highest multiple, but our brand isn't necessarily, wasn't necessarily there yet. Mm. I thought we needed to get way bigger online and it's more measurable, but I didn't know anything about retail. Sure. Right. So I kind of like, was like, okay, you're telling me this is the way to go. I'm listening. Cause I, I'm pliable. I want to be successful. And you've told me you've done this 14 times. I should have stuck to my gut on that one. Yeah. And then, you know, circling back to the value stuff. So one of the principles of this show, the, the, just for your uh, awareness, this show is kind of organized around a set of principles that I think um, are universal. You know what I mean? Like uh, I'll support and defend liberty against all enemies, things like that. One of the principles yeah. is, um, is, that I'll put, I'll place virtue above commerce um, in my efforts toward the public good will always trump my efforts toward my own benefit. Now, you, you, Killcliffe started as a company that was intended to give back to the community. So you're checking the box there pretty much right out of the gate. But, you know, as you, as you continue to, to grow as a business, you definitely run into some hurdles in that regard, right? Um, and it is, uh, <clears throat> it, it's, one of the one of the most difficult things is to find partners out there, but from vendors to uh, uh, distribution to partners in different states to the retail environment and then to the capital environment where they share like you you have to have I think going in some non negotiables and and one of them is like no we're going to do the right thing because that's who we are but I find that the more you do that shit the better your business does in the first place you know what I mean you can't buy you can't buy better PR than just doing the right thing as a business, in my opinion. 1000% agree. Um, I actually highlighted that as one of the, you know, the, the citizen mm. podcast, citizens podcast, you know, kind of virtues that I, I would, you know, I, I identify with. That's always been my thing. You know, I'm like, I had like, I, I just want to do the right thing by our customers and by our team uh, in fact, when the opportunity came to buy uh, the majority of Killcliff back, um, I had moved on to bigger and better things, you know. And but the mission of of my community, of the Navy SEAL community, like I feel incredibly strongly about. And I was like, I felt like some of the investors who had gotten involved had really kind of wanted to rent the Trident mm. more than. Um, more than you know be true to the community and so i was like okay i can right some wrongs here 
I can make some things better. And it might not be the highest and best use of my capital or time, but that doesn't matter. What matters is doing right by this community, bringing the authenticity back to the brand and building it back up the right way um, where we reconnect with our consumers, which we lost a bunch of them over the years. I mean, the brand has this amazing ability to, to draw in this great consumer base, but the way it was run for several years um, drove off a lot of customers, Yeah, right? So sure. they're starting to come back. It's funny, just and, and the word hasn't even gotten out yet. Uh, I bought the company back a couple of weeks ago and businesses was up like 15% in two weeks, which was, you know, with us doing nothing. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Um, but I think kind of going back to the virtue above commerce, I'm always going to make the right decision for, you know, basically what's right based as opposed to what the highest, you know, return is, right. which is an anathema to most the majority of these uh, investor types that I was dealing with. Right. They're going to they're going to for each extra point they can get and everything. And that's where we just kind of don't agree. I'm like, it's not worth, you know, doing that if we, if we, you know, kind of undercut who we really are mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day for a few thousand dollars or millions of dollars or whatever. Yeah. People uh, say people, I've had conversations like this too, where people are like, well, what, what's a number where somebody would come buy your businesses where you would just say, fuck it. And, not care what they do with it after it's like there's no you I, there's no amount of money you can give me to do that because i've been through this shit before and i know what it is i mean you it's like if you're a decent human being you're not going to be able to there's no amount of money that's going to make you sleep better at night knowing you fucked a bunch of people over and my and my and if you're able to do that then i don't want you on my team in the first place you know what i mean so we've on a routine basis on our network on drinker bros on all the other shows if um if one of our partners gets out of line and does stupid shit we're done that's it like i it, it, and look it's not like petty stuff if you got different we don't give a fuck about politics or any of that stuff do whatever you want this is america you can believe whatever the fuck you want and behave as long as you don't hurt anybody else however you want but if you're using you know power and platform and capital to to harm and censor other people you're fucking done on this show you know what yep. i mean i don't give a fuck how much money it costs us yeah i mean i'm i'm very similar uh it held me back in, in business to a certain extent because there were opportunities to take advantage. In fact, I have like my, in my personal goals, um, there's like almost a preamble in there about how I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not going to screw people over in life. Like it's just not going to happen. Right. And, and I'm going to do everything I can to help, help, you know, I got lucky, right. I got, I figured some things out early I can help my community. So I'm going to, I'm going to use the power that I have to do these good things and I'm going to avoid these fucked up things. You know what I mean? That uh, these shortcuts, they're all like myopic shortcuts mm -hmm. that fuck people in the end. It, it, it literally doesn't build community. It doesn't build anything. It just builds discontent and nobody wants to be around you when you do shit like that. So part of this kill club thing wasn't just, you know, making sure that the community was okay with the, with this, what is, probably the opportunity that has the most um, chance of becoming the biggest sustainable giving platform to the Navy SEAL Foundation. Mm. Um, not only is there that, but it was also kind of like, hey, I can, 
you know, I can, a bunch of people got screwed over by these other investors, right? Like uh, by those early investors who, who really kind of undermined, um, you know, those guys. So I can write a lot of those wrongs. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so it, I'll tell you the weird thing is like the fact that I'm back in this position is, is trippy. Like, I can't believe it. Like, even though I never planned it, I never, like, I wasn't sitting there pining over, like, waiting for the time. I was hanging around the hoop, I will say that. But I was never, like, I never actually thought it would happen. Right. right? But here I was, right place, right time. And uh, and, it, and it worked out. And so now we're just kind of fixing it all. And it's it's not only is it making more or generating more revenue instantly, it's also where uh, it, it's it's just in, in the last few weeks, it's healthier than it's ever been mm. as a business. So it's just one of those things, you get the right people together in the right room, making the right decisions for the right reasons. And, you know, magic starts happening. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. And it's, you know, um, not the easiest thing to do. And especially early on, you do pay the price for it. And I think you also pay the price if you pivot away from that uh, uh, ethical value proposition at some point whether it's, you know, brand personalities that are involved with you that are, uh, that are no longer involved with you or your mission is kind of, it looks to the, so here, here's the thing with commodities like this. And I would say energy drinks at this point are a commodity. Um, not, not, maybe not as high as coffee because the older generation still isn't into energy drinks. When I say older, I mean like retirement age. Um, yep. So it's still leans towards coffee because about 63% of people drink at least one cup of coffee a day. Energy drinks are a little behind that, but I think in 20 years, that's not going to be the case. It'll, it'll, those will flip for sure, just because of, you know, how society is now. So when something's a commodity like that, people have, uh, and, and uh, just a plethora of choices, right? And if they choose you, there's a reason for it. It's psychographic or something like that, right? It's, we, we deep dive into the stuff and try to figure out, exactly who likes our stuff and why and then do more of that and when you back off of that or pivot in some other direction whether it's a vc firm that thinks they've they're smarter than you and they can grow the business faster that old school shit doesn't work anymore man you can't just pump money into something and make it bigger if it's if the entire thing if first if it's a commodity and two if the commodity consumption is based on some kind of uh, affinity base right it just won't work yeah you know i mean <clears throat> i totally agree I think, you know, the speed of commerce and change is rapidly accelerating, right? So all these brands that have been around forever are getting toppled right and left. And you're seeing, you know, new brands come, you know, like come up that are, you know, that are more affiliated with their, you know, affinity base mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. But they're, at the end of the day, they're just way more authentic. So you can see, like, we had a CEO uh, that came in after me. After I, I mean, I literally was fired by the board of directors for apparently opening up Walmart, of all things. Um, <laughs> but so the CEO that came in after me was, you know, he had been a serial guy. And he's a nice guy, right? But he was using, like, you know, big company marketing techniques on a tiny brand that had a very you know close following of people and it just totally lost the message right they were just totally and they tried to shift from you know hey we've got a bunch of people who are having affinity for the military to 
you know, middle-class housewives or whatever. Mm. Not that's a bad thing, but that's, you know, we're, we're not selling, um, you know, cereal, right. It's, uh, this is a, this is a drink that, you know, is different. So I, th- I guess the point is people can smell that like unauthentic aspect of these investments a mile away. And, and I'm never letting that happen again. You sure. know what I mean? Like, I, like I learned my lesson. I got lucky to have a second chance, um, an expensive second chance, but, uh, but you know, I'm like never happening again on my watch. So that's, that's good news. Yeah. I like that. Uh, so it, we can kind of pivot into one of the other things I want to talk about today, which is, um, you know, the, what, one of the things I like to say is that individual liberty and personal entrepreneurship are the two best inoculations to tyrannical bullshit. Right. I mean, if you think about, um, so the individual liberty part, you might see uh, exampled by the Constitution and federal republicanism and federalism and our system of government and how it's intended to operate, although it doesn't really operate that way, but how it's intended to operate. And then on the personal side, what you can personally do to liberate yourself from whatever uh, uh, oppression is coming from the state, and it's always coming in some form or another, is to be able to be an entrepreneur and look, that can mean a lot of things. It can mean producing your own food or something, right? Uh, right. It, one less thing you've got to use the state infrastructure to procure or pay tax on or whatever the fuck else is going on there. And, uh, but a big one is starting small businesses and we're, we are in a creator economy now. It, it is, I wouldn't say easier to start a business than ever, but there's certainly a lot more resources now to start it, it a business. Is it, 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 it is if you know what you're doing, but the barrier to entry on information is still super high for people. It, it's because there's so many fucking snake oil salesmen and hucksters out there like, oh, here's five things you can do to start a successful business. Like, no, that's not at all how it goes. But so I wonder from your perspective, uh, your take on entrepreneurship and kind of how it dovetails into that individual liberty. It's 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 weird that we've never met before and we've never talked about this because it's one of my favorite subjects of all time. And I literally lead my life around this on a daily basis. I believe that entrepreneurship is the biggest gift that you can give a person. Right. And so my my venture studio is set up to help founders build companies, mm-hmm. right? Like so we help them build. Now we might, you know, we can kind of build anything we want, but the point is somebody walks in, they're like, I don't know how to build a company, but I have this idea. I, and, and basically it was built. So like 18 years ago, Todd, when I started my first company had the help that I needed to build. Cause I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what the studio does. But the way I look at when it, when you say the studio, my, you mean rule one, like rule your, one your, your venture, company. Yeah, it's, okay. It's, yeah, my venture studio. Yep. So, but the the point I'm making is giving people access to tools to build companies gives them the ability to to build something. And this whole like higher education thing is a total scam, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like I can't believe like they've convinced people they need to go get master's degrees to be second grade teachers. Like yeah. that just doesn't make any sense. They got to take the burden of all that debt to be a teacher, even going to right? business. I mean, the people I know that went to bit for the, the vast majority of the people I know who went to business school are in middle management positions, not in business ownership positions. You know what I mean? That should tell you something, right? And completely burdened by the student oh, yeah. loans, 
that are off the charts expensive. Mm -hmm. And and so I I'm like, let's it's kind of like you know that Peter Thiel deal where he like takes high school graduates, mm -hmm. gives them two hundred fifty thousand dollars to start a business. Like I'm I I think that at the end of the day that like. If I'm like, for instance, here's, I'm a college dropout, right? I actually dropped out of college two times. Um, but the, the, the reason why I say that is I'm like, I don't need a college degree to do what I do, right? I don't mm. need a college degree to, to be active and successful in commerce. I need to have some grit. Mm. I need to get up and work hard. I need to be able to like organize my thoughts and prioritize, you know, my resources and, and kind of or, like get squared away, but I don't need anything else, right? Uh, integrity helps, I guess. But at the end of the day, you know, there's so many people out there that are chasing this fake dream of higher education. It's going to save them. I mean, look at all the experts and how wrong they've been lately. But the but the point is that entrepreneurship is the ticket to true freedom. Mm. Not, and, not not just for yourself, by the way. That that is a that is a um, a force multiplier, as we like to call it, because. Uh, there's a couple of key, like if you had gone to business school, maybe you'd know this, <laughs> although you can just look it up on the internet, but it's like uh, a dollar spent in the local community typically multiplies seven to 11 times before it leaves that local community. Now, if you think about that from a tribe perspective, right? When I say tribe, I mean people who share our values. The more people like that you can lift up, the stronger and more resilient we all are to bullshit, right? So it's not just about... Uh, I, I encourage people to think about it this way because it's not just, you're not giving people handouts. You're making an investment in your community when you help people do this stuff. Absolutely. I, we have a CEO of one of our more successful, if not most successful portfolio companies. She's a former police detective. Um, really, really, really wonderful person. And, you know, she would tell you, she wouldn't be here if it wasn't for us and the, and the help we've given her, um, which isn't just capital, right? Mm. It's like, Hey, like I get it. You're thinking about it this way, but like, let's just nudge you going in that direction a little bit. That goes a long way. And in the way I look at it is like, I always tell, you know, other team guys, I'm like, my phone is the bat phone. If you ever need any help in business, call me. I don't mm. care. Right. And so you're going to get an answer from me that you probably wouldn't get from anybody else. So you're going to want to make that call mm. because it might be the answer that you really need. But ultimately, you know, when we can when we can help other people be successful in entrepreneurship, it is a game changer for them. And it leads to a life of, you know, like I know this is going to be corny. I've never been so happy as when I've been an entrepreneur. Right. Because I'm making my own decisions. I'm, you know, setting my own priorities. I'm getting up you know, early in the morning to get out there and get the work done. And, and then I'm leading other people mm -hmm. and I'm helping other people follow their dreams and get, find their success. And, and, you know, when uh, my partner is actually, he went to Harvard business school and he's a, he's a Navy F-18 uh, guy went to Naval Academy, but uh, my co-founder, but we, you know, we had this, you know, our original dream that started the studio was what if we could find a special operations guy and like a McKinsey, he was also a McKinsey guy mm. and like a McKinsey guy and start a hundred companies around that, you know, that management group like that management nucleus and then we would surround that with like don't be an asshole mm. you know be an ethical you know entrepreneur you know kind of follow these you know the proper virtues of, of growing businesses and you said a hundred companies a hundred ships of sale like that what a difference that would make in the world right and and what those and then be like hey and then help the next 
group of guys coming out or gals coming out with whatever they need help with. I had, and I'm not trying to sound like uh, I'm complaining, but I had a very difficult time getting going. Mm-hmm. It was very, very tough. What's well, traction, I right? I mean, that that's that's what you should. Have you read that book, Traction? It's pretty good. Oh, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, if you're it, out if you're out there and out. you're thinking about starting a business, read that. Read the book, Traction. Don't don't read the book, Traction, and read Principles by Ray Dalio. That'll that'll be two of the best books you read. But yeah, it's getting started in the beginning, getting that stone moving, as he likes to say, is really difficult. I mean, even even if you're coming in, fucking better prepared than anybody else, it's still not easy to do it. Yeah, you'd be amazed. It's like there's people that, you know, you think would help you think would pitch in mm. and they don't, you know what I mean? It's, it's a very lonely track to start off on. And then when you kind of get some momentum, you get going that everybody wants to help out. Oh, yeah. That's great. But there's a, there's a very early little crucible that you go through that is incredibly painful and it makes you doubt everything. Right. And I went through that for a long time. I definitely, you know, not the smartest entrepreneur in the world, not like not the most successful guy, but like tenacity, it was my friend. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. And I, I would always be like, I'm sitting across from the table from a guy who could easily help me out, mm. but he's not, he's decided he's not going to help me out. Um, and I don't know why I really don't. I didn't know, like it's happened hundreds of times. And that's fine. You know, I'm just going to keep going. It becomes a numbers game, right? Sure, yeah. But but I try to find a way to help all the time, which maybe that's too big of a burden. You know, maybe that's too much to bite off. But, like, fuck it. Mm. You know? Fuck it. Like, just help people. What the fuck else are you going to do? Well, I mean, a lot of guys are just like, they're going to go do whatever the fuck they do, and they're not going to help anybody. They're very self-centered, and that's fine. But, like, if if, like... Here, here's the thing where I didn't see this coming, but like, I'm glad that I was, I decided to be more helpful. Right. So mm-hmm. for what it's worth, that CEO I just mentioned, she was introduced to me by a guy who came and asked me for help. And I had really nothing for him, but I was like, how can I help this guy? Mm-hmm. And I helped him with something and he brought me that deal. And it's, and it's like that, that concept of like, just put good stuff into mm-hmm. the universe and good stuff comes back. So I always try to go that extra step to help people out. And it, it blows my mind how much, you know, positive stuff it brings. And I'm not doing it. Like, it's not a quid pro quo. It's a, I'm just helping. No, right. no strings attached. Well, what about right? the inverse of that? Those people that, you know, were disinterested or dismissive early on. Do you keep score and don't work with them later? Or how do you handle that? Um. Yeah, it's a great question. Are you familiar with game theory? Yep. So the most successful form of game theory is forgiving tit, tit for tat. Right. So I have a very forgiving mindset when it comes to that stuff. Um, even some of the guys that really sco- screwed me over in business, I'll sit down with them today and have a talk. Um, but for the most part, I'm, you know, very careful. But I think, you know, I... I think sometimes people are a little bit on autopilot, right? Mm -hmm. So I've had people come to me and be like, why didn't you ask me to invest in this business that's been so successful? And I'm like, oh, hold on a second. Let me show you on the calendar here. We go back three years. We had lunch on this date and I specifically asked you then, 
and they're like, oh, I don't remember. I'm like, of course you don't. You weren't thinking. Yeah, yeah. You're just yeah. like, oh, let me just blow Todd off right now. So I'm keeping track for sure, but I'm not like necessarily holding it against people. Sure, yeah. It's forgiving, I mean, forgiving for Tad. Yeah, I mean, the the more, uh, I guess, if you if you want to call it this, although it's kind of old, the more modern version of game theory is Nash's equilibrium theory, right? So you're uh, – the it, it presumes that – there aren't going to be a whole lot of categories of one in business. And there, there aren't, there's Nike, there's Coke, but there aren't a lot. Right. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of money out there for everybody. You know what I mean? There's a lot of different people with a lot of different views on life and things like that. And you can, you can carve yourself out a niche in pretty much any industry. So you don't have to, while you do have competitors in business, you don't, because they're a competitor doesn't mean they're an enemy. That means they're right. siphoning off a certain part of the market. So you can either uh, uh, have a better value pro proposition for that part of the market or you just shift to a different part of the market. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But the uh, like entrepreneurs, particularly at the low to medium level, not, not major uh, publicly traded companies necessarily, but the low to medium size entrepreneurs, working together is a pretty good idea. And holding grudges and being a dick to people is not the best idea. You know what I mean? You can't take this shit personally. Sometimes the timing just doesn't work out. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I wasn't ready to do that then. So uh, that, that's why I asked you that question. Yeah, I mean, I, I, A, I totally agree. B, I think, you know, there some people get like super competitive mm. in business, right? They'll never cooperate. They're too competitive. And that's fine. That doesn't mean I'm not friends with I Like, I respect entrepreneurs. Like, they're at the very top of my list of people I respect, right? Because I know how hard it is and I know how hard they work. If they're going to be super competitive, we can still be friendly. We don't have to do business together, mm -hmm. right? Um, with that being said, I also think I, I kind of like, you know, when you look, when you have a good, like, that's the other thing. When you have like kind of the lay person in entrepreneurship looking at an entrepreneur, they don't realize that even though it looks easier, and I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been. I'm actually working harder than I've ever worked. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm like, I'm responsible for everybody. So if I've got a hundred people on the team and the average family is like four people, you know, that's like 300 beds in, you know, a hundred houses in, you know what I mean? That's like a lot of responsibility when you think about it, that's like, you know, 900 meals a day, right? Like that's like a lot of things to be responsible for. So, the, the point is <clears throat> entrepreneurs make it look easy. And that's what the lay person doesn't get sometimes sure. is that we're embracing this because it's our, you know, it's our journey that we're on and we love it and all that stuff, but it's not easy. Nothing, no. none of this is easy at no, all. It's, it's definitely an investment in your own independence for sure. And it, it yeah. comes at a price. I mean, so think about it this way. Things change a lot when the customer becomes your boss. You know what I mean? So instead of, having a regular job where you're concerned about your behavior or performance nine to five. Now it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week forever. Right. That's just how it is. So it's, you know, it changed. And, and, you know, some people aren't really cut out for that. Some people want to drone around and just fucking put in some hours and then go home and have a, a, a retirement account. Just fucking, and that's cool, man. If you want to do that, we need every, we need every kind of human being to make life functional. You know what I mean? It just, it's just the way it is. So, uh, I guess the old saying is uh, the world needs ditch diggers, but, um, you know, the world I, needs ditch diggers, Danny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's like, uh, you know, 
I feel like people who seek out shows like this, they're looking to do something better, not just for themselves, but because they feel like they're, they have some kind of responsibility to their community or their family or the country or whatever it is to make everything a little bit better. And it's, uh, it, it's hard to argue that more small, small business owners serving their communities is bad, right? It's very clearly much better for a community. Yep. I totally agree. I mean, I think, I think if, if you're on, if you're like sitting here, listening to this and you're unhappy in your life, right? Like, and you're, and you're not an entrepreneur, I bet as painful as, as it could be, um, being an entrepreneur, you could build a lot of value for yourself in life by following a journey of entrepreneurship, as opposed to showing up to work, doing the nine to five thing every day. Um, it's, it's liberating. It's a, for me, like I happen to be a little more creative than the average person. It's liberating from that perspective mm -hmm. where I use my creative creativity in business and that feels great. Um, and I think it's, it, and I think for our, you know, our nation, if you will, which is the greatest land of entrepreneurs in the history of entrepreneurship, uh, with the ability to solve any problem now or in the future, um, through entrepreneurship. Um, I think like, it, it's just like the most amazing opportunity. Like we have a partner who's also a Navy SEAL. Um, and you know, he, you know, he's very focused on defense technology. Right. And that's what he wants to do. And that's, and I'm like, heck yeah, dude, I can help you get there. And that makes him happy. Like he's happy doing that. And I think like, ultimately, like, and, and I'll like, I'll do anything, right? Like I don't have, it doesn't have to be defense technology. It could be a, it could be, you know, kill cliff. It could be mm. you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, but ultimately like I'm happiest when I'm creating new things and building new things and then helping other people do it too. And I strongly encourage other people to do the same. Um, if you feel that you have that in you, like not everybody has it, like you said, but it is a great gift. Yeah. And it's no drag I, on anybody that doesn't want to do that stuff. It, it, it is a lot of work and there's a lot of, I mean, you're, you're assuming most of the risk at that point. Like if you work at uh, a, a software company and you're a developer or something like that, your risk is that the company goes under and you got to go find a new job. You know what I mean? Right. But for me, like I was fortunate enough to have the military pay for all of my schooling, although I've never really used any of it in any real practical way. Um, but I, I didn't have any debt or anything. So that was nice. But uh, it's allowed me to have the ability to put my own time and money into multiple businesses, which I think is a gift in and of itself. But now we're getting to the point, um, like the, the media company is what it is. We use it for promotions and stuff like that. And it generates revenue. It's definitely in the, in the green and has been since its inception. But, uh, we've got this hard seltzer company and, you know, CPG goods are difficult transportation and just establishing the product in the first place. And then alcohol obviously adds an extra twist under that. I'm sure you guys deal with some of the regulatory shit with CBD. Uh, it's just yep. a pain in the ass. And then going, you know, state to state for distribution, stuff like that. Um, we've got a big audience. We've got a really good product, got relationships. Now we're getting to the part where uh, we're going to have to take on some strategic partners. Like there's no avoiding it because we, we put probably half a million of our own money into this thing already, just working day to day, you know, and, at this point, it's it's going to be 
to expand at a, at a reasonable rate, we're going to have to start doing some stuff like that. And I think there's some, there's other people in the audience that have their own small businesses like that. Uh, what advice do you have for that, for that kind of scenario? Well, I mean, so, so the, the alcohol market, I know a lot about it. It's very difficult. It, it can be hugely rewarding. Um, and those distributor relationships and everything you mentioned can be challenging to, um, get because it's almost like you're starting the company like 50 times like mm -hmm. in every state you know what i mean and it's a giant pain in the ass which is why non-alcoholic can be kind of nice uh, but people drink a lot of alcohol just like they drink a lot of coffee mm -hmm. right so um i i think you know <clears throat> depending on the complexity of the business it's it's all in the it, it's so the, the big risks in business are um you know kind of partnership risk and kind of like how do we structure this business do we win like you know you can structure things right where you win even if like it's not as good as you want it to be and all that stuff so i think like kind of thinking through the go-to-market strategy on a like like in, in again alcohol is a whole different thing but you know kind of thinking through what this is going to look like over the long term and then looking at what the partnership options are hmm. and then see if you can find the right partnership. Um, and depending on the, the industry, um, there are certain, you know, partnerships that make more sense and certain ones that make less. Um, but I, I, I know a little bit about alcohol, so that's some we could talk about later if you wanted to. Sure, yeah. um, but, you know, I think going back to the comment on risk, I, I, you know, not trying like, you know, yay, rah, rah people into building things, but the biggest risks are the, the ones you don't take. And I know that sounds so cliche, but I'm always blown away by people that are like, hey, you know, we risked, you know, you know, this hundred thousand dollars and we're making, you know, twenty thousand dollars a month now or whatever. And I'm like, man, that that sounds like an amazing deal right like you've like done incredibly well on a hundred thousand dollar investment the return on investment is astronomical compared to anything else like in the stock market or whatever so i always tell people look at your you look at your entrepreneurial life as like a as a a, a portfolio manager would look at their portfolio and determine are you taking enough risk as an entrepreneur and are you growing the things with a big upside fast enough uh, or not, um, you know, sometimes it's the luck of the draw, what industry you get into, you know, sometimes people get into an industry, they're just in a great industry that has like, you know, software is great. Um, mm. you know, consumer products are great. They're also incredibly hard. Sure. So there's a level of complexity that comes with that. Otherwise everybody would do it. Right. But I think it's one of those things where one of the ways you can lay off some of that risk is by, you know, maybe not overly like, you know, if you were in the military, you know, like, hey, like head on a swivel, you know, like if you're oh, you have like too much target fixation, you're going to get killed. I always tell people like, listen, I was trained to be looking around for opportunities to make sure that I don't have any threats that I'm not aware of. And now I get into business and all these NBA guys are like, hey, focus on this thing 100 percent all the time, blah, blah, blah. And, and it's usually other entrepreneurs that tell me that. And, the, and I'm like, hey, other entrepreneur, I'm like, how many businesses do you own? They're like five. Why? I'm like, how much time do you spend on each business? Well, not much. I'm like, okay. But if you talk to really successful entrepreneurs, they own multiple businesses. Yeah, sure. Right? So there's a portfolio thing. So again, I I think I would tell people look at it as a portfolio. 
figure out the risk in your portfolio, put the time in where you need to to build things and stabilize them, and then grow the things that are really you know going to return the highest uh, return on investment. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, man. I mean, because it's you know <clears throat> it's easy. I, a lot of people um, will give you the generic advice like you need a uh, uh, an elaborate business plan with a cap table out to five years and all this stuff. Okay. Like maybe, I mean, it, it depends on what you're doing, I guess. Maybe that's relevant, but to be honest, that's going to be the kind of offers you're going to get from a package like that are going to be the old thinking, slow moving kind of offers. And look, that might work for you. Maybe it does. But if you're in D to C and, uh, if your primary outreach with your audience is digital, I don't know that that's a good idea, right? Because typically what you'll find, if it's an old school kind of person, they are still, it's 2023. I, I run into this all the time. These people are still struggling to understand modern media and how it works. They don't understand right. fucking podcasts and stuff. Like, look, you, you get, the, the market is so upside down. Television is still getting these massive CPMs on marketing deals and they convert less than any other form of marketing that I'm aware of. But D to C yeah. marketing, I mean, just a, a podcast that has like 10,000 or average downloads, that's 10,000 people that are way more invested in whatever's happening there than they would ever be on something passively watched on a television screen. And they, but yep. they get maybe a third of the CPM in the marketing uh, uh, world. It just doesn't, it still doesn't make any sense it's because a lot of the big old dollars are controlled by people that don't know what the fuck they're doing still. Totally agree, which which creates the space for these smaller brands mm -hmm. to build, right? Which, thank God, they're stupid, you know? Um, I yeah, think, like how know, did – Bang is a good example of that. How did Bang get so big when Red Bull had dominated that market for decades, right? Bang came out of nowhere within three years. They were on par. You know what I mean? Monster, Monster and Red Bull had controlled that market for, what, 25 years? Yeah, well, I mean, they, Monster and Red Bull had no social media game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean – you know, I, I think there's so much like I could go on and on and on about this stuff, but I think like ultimately there there's there's a plenty of space to to get in the race, right? There's just it's like a um it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating thing. You know, I started a business with fifteen thousand bucks, got it to fifty seven million in revenue. It had a three point business plan. It, it was like I had just done the fifty point kill or the fifty page Killcliff business mm. plan, which I was still getting laughed out of boardrooms. And on this other business, I was like, I got fifteen thousand dollars and enough time to put down three points on a bullet, you know, on, on a PowerPoint. And I never raised any money for it and got the fifty seven million dollars in revenue. Mm. So, like, the point is, all that superficial form over function shit doesn't matter, right? It's that underlying. Do I like? Is this a business that can get profitable? Am I running it in a profitable way? Are the underlying fundamentals of the business and the purpose and the kind of the the authentic authenticity of that business there or not? Mm -hmm. And if they are, and you got the grit to pull it off, you're going to pull it off, right? I mean, I I spent a few years uh, of my career working for a family office, working on private equity deals, mm -hmm. and I ran across a bunch of incredibly super polished CEOs that were badasses. And then the other half of the guys were like unpolished guys who couldn't get a job anywhere else, like what, whatever, but they just got out of bed every morning and they grinded and they built a company that was worth, you know, over a hundred million dollars. And I'm, there's 
hundreds of these guys out oh, yeah. there, thousands of them, right? Yeah. And so my point is, it all it takes are like some of these fundamental things to make things work. And you don't need a lot of money. Fifteen thousand dollars isn't a lot of money, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's not. But the turn, you know, <clears throat> fifteen thousand dollars into fifty-seven million dollars of revenue on three on a three-point business plan, yeah, like that's I can't can't boil it down any simpler than that. Yeah, there's thinkers and there's doers sometimes, right? Sometimes yeah. there's overlap, but you know, I think that's good advice. Sometimes just because of all the things, what's that? You got to have a bias to action. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, of all the things that are difficult about starting a business, I think getting traction is the hardest, to be honest. Uh, and if, if if you don't have the grit and temerity to fucking do that shit at, at whatever cost, then it's just not going to work anyways. So what's the point at that point? Just go be a college professor and teach business classes and never start a business of your own. Uh, by the way, don't ever fucking take advice from somebody that hasn't done it themselves. That's just, it seems like a, uh, a an obvious thing to say, but there you go. That's it. Um, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Well, look, uh, thanks for coming today, man. I appreciate it. It's been a really good talk. I like giving people, I mean, it's, this is a little different than most of the normal shows we do, but, uh, I think it's really important for people as we, you know, feel the, the continued weight of the state, uh, pressing on us, uh, these days and, and even globalism, it's important to build from the inside out, like fucking make, make your own stuff. Even if it's just planting a garden in your backyard, do something that boxes out the government from your from your stuff. You know what I mean? Just be a little less dependent every single day. I think it's a really important thing for people to do. Uh, again, thanks for coming today. We really appreciate it. And uh, you have anything else you'd like to share with the audience before we get out of here? Pump Kill Cliff, you guys got any deals going on? Uh, I don't know if we have any deals, but uh, we definitely – um, yeah, come to our website. We're, we're, we're slinging, we're slinging drinks. Um, so yeah, uh, appreciate it. And, and, uh, if there are any team guys out there that need anything, uh, feel free to reach out. Cool. All right. Thanks for coming today, man. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all of you for uh, watching and listening. This has been citizen.